I just knew how much change was coming and I felt like we were finally at a place where like our marriage was good, we knew what God was calling us to do and it felt like he took that. Like, but yeah. now I can see like we needed God to show us that there was more work we had to do and he had more for us. And it's not that he was saying no to dreams we had, he was delaying them for our good. Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. On the first Thursday of every month in 2024, we are sharing a special episode of our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church YSM. Now check out these stories. Welcome back to Your Story Matters podcast. Today we are in part two of episode one with Sam and Brittany. Um, if you are just now picking up this podcast, uh, one, uh, I want to tell you, you should stop listening to this one now, jump back to part one, hear how we got to this point. Um, Sam and Brittany lived kind of the opposite of lives. And we're going to talk about how these two opposite lives and lives that had faith and then didn't have faith and that didn't have faith and did have faith, how they collide together. But in order to understand kind of what happened when they did collide, you have to go back and listen to part one. So I encourage you to pause this now, jump back to that. The second thing is we are in season two of Your Story Matters. And so when you get done with this episode, we'll have a new one coming out in a few weeks. But in the meantime, we encourage you to go back and listen to season one. You can hear how we got to this point of sitting down and sharing stories and, and really people talking about the highs and lows of life and what role faith played in that and how they've seen God working through that or God has come into the middle of their junk and they've experienced the things like peace and community and belonging that we long for. And so um, to pick things back up, uh, Sam, you grew up Catholic through and through, go to college and there's belief in God. Um, but not like an active faith, not a relationship with Jesus, right? That's what we we would say, like at Collective. Um, you're kind of making up for lost time with social life, partying, all that. Brittany, you're the opposite. No understanding of church. Like the phrases we would use are like unchurched and de-churched. De-churched is like, hey, I've been to church, but then I, I stopped going for a season. Sam, that's kind of where you're at. Brittany, you're unchurched, which is like there is no church experience. And your first church experience is in your teenage years. But at that, that point, um, you are already living uh, a life that is very far from God. Um, feeling the weight of that, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that you talked a lot about was the the remorse and the regrets and knowing that the decisions you were making when it came to drinking, when it came to relationships, feeling like something's off here. Not knowing what that was because, one, you're just following in the footsteps of family, and two, because, you know, while you started to pursue faith, you weren't really sure what it meant to you. And that leads to just some weird random night where you guys are both on campus when you shouldn't be, and you guys meet for the first time, and 
you're not really in a place to have a relationship. You guys both said you were in toxic relationships. You were kind of out of them, like, right? You were out for the time being, but you'd been out. And so you guys were both trying to figure out if you're going to jump back into those toxic relationships. You guys meet. Sam slides into your DMs, which is like, you know, modern romance. So let's do that. Um, He's a gentleman Mm -hmm. because Sam is a gentleman. Uh, You start hanging out. And then you guys decide, yeah, like, we should get married. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're going to pick things up today. You guys as early 20s, still in college? Yeah, Sam was the senior, the very beginning of senior year of college when he proposed. Okay. What were you doing at the time? Teaching. Okay. Were you still in New York? No. Okay. So I got my first job in Silver Spring, Maryland, so not even close, really. Yep. And really, you guys... I, I think, you know, I guess I could be like putting words in your mouth. Ultimately, when you guys spent time together, all those things that you had been missing from your life, you guys like kind of found it in each other. Mm-hmm. You weren't really sure that's what it was, but it was, you know, safety, belonging, a friend, like real friendships, mm-hmm. you know. But let me start with this question. So when you guys start dating and you guys get engaged, where is faith in this? Like, do you know that his church history are you still going to church on Sundays are you Sam interested in going with Brittany or is it just kind of still this thing that's kind of on the outside as you're trying to figure things out um <clears throat> I think it was still just on the outside well, I knew you it, were it Catholic was. and I feel like I feel like I remember you and I went to the on-campus chapel one time together it was rough it was weird yeah, yeah. and I was still going you didn't go with me. And I wasn't someone who, like, at this point, you know, I wasn't going every Sunday because now we've, you know, when we're engaged, I'm teaching. I've got, like, a real job. He's still in college. We're seeing each other, like, what, every weekend, every other weekend. So when I'd go visit him, we weren't going. But if I didn't, like, I would go to a random church on a Sunday, but it still was like not a thing. It wasn't anything we ever discussed of like, do you want to stay Catholic? Like, I don't know. We just, it wasn't a thing. Like we knew. And then when we would go visit Sam's family together, we'd go to their Catholic church on Sunday and we'd always leave being like, well, that was dumb. (laughs) And then that was not, that was it. Like we never, I don't know. It just wasn't really a thing at all. Yeah. I never really followed up on, um, or even asking about church when uh, we started the whole process of starting a life together. Um, there was no conversations about it at all. Uh, I was happy with just being young and in love uh, with my best friend, just doing everything, just doing life with her. But, yeah, faith was not on the radar at all. Mm-mm. It was once we'd go home for or I'd go home for Christmas or Thanksgiving mm-hmm. we'd go to church say or Hail Mary's go kneel take the Eucharist drink the wine and then leave um yeah but we didn't do it you know, no. we didn't really do anything together we didn't talk about it it wasn't like a are we going to be Catholic sure. are we not are we going sure. to like it just wasn't a thing but mm-hmm. you know we <laughs> to just add to our crazy story my parents don't have money to pay for a wedding and Sam's parents were not super happy with the whole situation so going back to Sam's complete fear of his parents 
whole story. But my dad kicked me out while we were engaged. And I literally had to take off work that day. And it was right before you graduated. So, um, yeah, it was right before you graduated. My dad kicked me out. I was living with them while I was still teaching. And I went and took off work that day. And while I was driving from Westminster to Silver Spring, I was like, I'm just going to take an exit along this way and find an apartment and buy an apartment. Like, I don't have anywhere to live. And so... I called you and I found a really crappy apartment that we could afford because you were in college and I was on a first year teacher salary. I think you came up after class and we signed papers. Yeah. And then you graduated a couple weeks later, but like his mom knew about me. His mom knew we were engaged because like he literally handed me a ring on his mom's couch. I don't even think you said, will you marry me? I'm pretty sure you went like, here you go, <laughs> which is very Sam. Sam's not a man of many words. No, so. it's very Sam. Um, and so she knew we were engaged, but I don't know if she... Believed it. Believed it. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if she thought it was going to work out. So, again, this goes back to Sam's complete fear of his mom, which <laughs> became a real problem in our marriage in the beginning. So we, I go to Sam's graduation. We had just gotten this apartment like a week or two before. I go to Sam's graduation. His family's there, obviously. And while we're leaving, we're on, like we're packing Sam's stuff up, and his parents are putting it in their car. Oh my and I was like, "Babe, you're coming with me." And he kept being like, "Yeah," like terrified. <laughs> and so I was like, "You can't let them take your stuff. You're not going to New York, babe. Sam. We are, we are, we are engaged. I have a career. You have to come live with me." This is the best. Yeah, and so He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, and that wait, just wait. It gets even better. And so he's doesn't want to tell his mom that he's moving with me pre-marriage and just in general. But I was like, I have a career here. If you go back to New Jersey and also start a career, this is over. Like, what are we going to do? And so I'm pretty sure I was the one who was really awkwardly like, hey, we have an apartment together. And again, at this point, I have no faith still. So I'm not realizing that that is like the end of the world to them. Like, you know, they're very traditional and like culturally and Catholic. So like, you don't move in before marriage. Yeah. I don't care. Like, I don't know any different. Yeah. So I'm like, why are you guys making a big deal out of this? Sam is petrified. I don't remember what happened, but I think she asked, like, are you going to sleep in the same room? And I was like, I mean, yeah. And then I think Sam probably was like, I'll sleep on the couch. Like, whatever he sure, had to say. Sure. And so somehow, anyway, very angrily, we get Sam to Maryland. And that's kind of where we... Did they drive... No, I think... As well? Okay. I think... They didn't move you in, though. No, 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 just no, no. I'm pretty sure York. they were pissed and left. Yeah. Um, and so this started a very long couple of years where his mom and I did not get along. And Sam always sided with his mom, because not because he wanted to, but because he was terrified of sure. her and felt this weird obligatory alliance to her. And it, it just caused so many issues. But anyway, so we move in... Are, we're planning to get married in October, but like his parents aren't helping with the wedding because they're not happy about it. My parents don't have money, so we're trying to pay for it ourselves. Granted, Sam graduated in May. We're trying to get married and pay for a wedding in October. Sam can't find a job. I think you were selling like Xfinity in a Costco or yeah. something. <laughs> what did you go to school for? Marketing. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Sam thought he was going to move back to like New York City and have like a big sure. heart, and yeah, then he yeah. moved into like nowhere Maryland with me. Yeah. So. It just translated to sales. And so he was getting sales jobs and Sam. I do not have the personality <laughs> or the 
like my moral compass does not allow me to try to sell you something you don't need. Sure. So you got fired from what? Like God, all of my sales How many? Jobs. Yeah, because you're just bad at it. Bad uh, yeah. Yeah. They're telling me to do one thing, and I'm like, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you were like selling okay. tools at one point and like recommending another brand because you liked them better. <laughs> I mean, so that I mean that probably plays into it though. Like, Sam, even though you grew up in the Catholic Church and and you would say like there wasn't a huge connect, like there is a moral por- portion of that. Now it might be the extreme version of it, and it might lead to like some of the fear. But it kind of makes sense that some of the decisions you are making, you know, are not like what God would have wanted you to make. Mm-hmm. Although you would recognize like, you know, your, your mom probably thought your faith was in a different place than what it was, which is I believe in God, but like I'm not living this out. And so you're kind of stuck in this like double life thing of like, yeah, I believe in what God says. I know what I'm doing isn't what he would want me to do, but also, and I care, but I'm not sure why I care. Right, there is no why. There's just the essentially the facts of it, and so it makes sense that the moment that you would move in with Brittany, there's this fear of like, oh my gosh, like you are aware that like this isn't what God wants you to do, but also at the same time, you're like, I don't know if I want to live that way anyways. Mm-hmm. But it's hard as a 21 year old who's about to get married to be able to say to a parent like, I get it, right? I know what the Bible says on this. I'm just not sure it's for me or I care, or I want to live my life this way, or I want to live my life that way, you know, in the way that they're living. And so I get that. Like, there's just like this weird kind of duality of knowing what God wants from you, but not sharing you care what God wants from you, right? And kind of being stuck in that place. And so, but did you recognize that? Like, so you didn't even recognize like a lot of Sam's tension was was faith driven. I thought he was just afraid of his mom. Like, and I didn't connect it to like faith or Catholicism. It just was like, she's just intense. She's intense. And Sam was scared of her. And I don't get that. So I would get very frustrated with him of like, who cares what your mom thinks? Like, why do you care so much? Because that's just kind of how I was raised, you know? And yeah. So we were supposed to get married in October. We realized that summer after he kept, losing sales jobs that we weren't going to be able to pay for this wedding and so we had to postpone it and when we went to postpone it (laughs) I literally said to our wedding planner like hey what is the last out of season because we're trying to like nickel and dime this obviously right we're 20 you know we shouldn't be getting married there's so many reasons why we should have like logically sat down and like had a conversation but didn't so we were like hey, what is the last Friday before wedding season that we can get married? Because Fridays are cheaper. (laughs) And she said, March 25th. And we were like, write us down, whatever. Uh, Well, come to find out that was Good Friday. Oh, my God. (laughs) But we didn't know it. And so as the wedding's getting closer, and my grandma at one point mentioned, isn't that Good Friday? What are his parents going to think? And I've already been to the place with them where I said, I don't care what they think. Yeah. And Sam then realized it was Good Friday and went, oh, my God. This matters. This is not good. Yeah. And so. I just never former formally invited, invited them, them to our wedding. Yeah. He just didn't tell them. And so. You know, would, they, would they have? No. They no, would not they have would come. not have come and they did not come. But I, I didn't know what was yeah. going on because I – made invites and I'm sending them out and Sam is saying hey don't just mail my parents an invite they'll think that's informal I want to hand them an invite meanwhile he's never planning to 
He's guys, just you guys are the worst. Oh, we you are the absolute goodness. worst. So he is delaying oh, this. Man. And so the wedding's getting closer. I've RSVP'd from people. I have their food. And I'm like, I kept saying, Sam, like, what do your parents want to eat? Blah, blah, blah. And he kept being like, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. So I was like, I'll message his sister. So I messaged his sister like, hey, you guys have an RSVP'd? And she was like, to what? And I was like, our wedding is in two weeks. And she was like, none of us know about it. Like, I work. They don't know about it. And it's not like we had a courthouse wedding. Like, we had a legit yeah. wedding. <laughs> and so they didn't know. So then Sam takes this ear beating from his parents. Um, My mom. Mom. They're furious that it's on Good Friday because yeah. in Catholic culture, that like, you don't talk that day. You, yeah. It's a very somber day, and we're getting married. Yeah. Um, and so then I'm mad at him. Like, so your whole family's just not going to come to our wedding. Side note, like, you're Asian. People are going to realize that your family is not at this <laughs> wedding. This Isn't is going to be really awkward, you know? And I'm mad, and I'm upset for him because he, even though he never formally invited them, like, we still bought them a table. We still yeah. bought them dinner, and we saved an entire table saying, like, there is no way your family is not going to show up to your wedding. Yeah. Like, there's no way. They're going to make it. And so at our wedding, we had this big, empty front table where nobody showed up. And Why didn't you invite them? The whole Good Friday thing. Yeah. That all itself was not going to fly. So... You were just avoiding. You were just avoiding yeah, it yeah. as long as possible, and I don't know what. And here's the thing: he never. I didn't think Catholicism mattered to him. And again, like we had a very surface relationship at this time, so like we didn't know each other and we didn't talk about things. So like when I found out it was Good Friday, I was like, "Oh, he's not gonna care." And when I told him, he was just like, "Oh, my parents are gonna be mad." And like that was the extent of it. Yeah, like we never sat down and he never said like. We should pick another date. Like, this isn't going to work. It, he just was like, meh, whatever. So yeah. I didn't think it was a big deal. So then when I realized he didn't invite his family, I was then mad because I was like, now your mom, like, really hates me. And that's not good. Yeah. Um, and then they were really mad at him. And it just was this start of a marriage where we, like, we're starting to realize, I think, that, like, we don't communicate. And we don't know each other very well. I think this is one of the reasons why I push for premarital. Absolutely. So in premarital, we p- people think it's like counseling, and we it, it is counseling, but it's like part of the premarital that Mark and Pam do is they just ask all these questions, mm-hmm. right? Um, because your family history and your family of origin and how you were raised and expectations play out a ton in marriage, and you know, like when you're young, you don't really get that. Like for people who. Brittany, I think you and I are similar, who grew up in, like, really chaotic families. Like, because Ray and I are that way, where she was very well aware of all of my dysfunction because when she saw my family, it was like, your dad's not here. And it's like, well, that's because he's not here. Like, so it was easier for her to see my stuff. Me understanding hers was completely different because it's like everything on paper looks great. Mm -hmm. And then you realize that doesn't mean it's great. And so, like, I mean, what you guys are dealing with are the things that every single person who gets married, specifically young, but every person who gets married has to deal with, mm-hmm. right? It's Sam's family history. It's not just his family history and, like, in the Catholic upbringing, but it's also him being Filipino. Like, right. there's a whole other set of expectations, mm-hmm. different culture. You know, you've got your side of things, which, you know, you've got the – dad who's not super present, the teenage parent who ends up becoming more like a friend than a parental figure, no faith. 
those two things, no matter what, like, so, so I want to say this for everybody listening, like, no matter how you end up in your marriage, whether you take years or months and it's a quick engagement or you're young or old, this collision has to happen at some point. Now, when you when you get married fast and you're young, they typically collide around the wedding because mm-hmm. then you're like making decisions. and You're going, how do we make these together? And you're going, oh, crap, we can't actually make these decisions together, mm-hmm. you know. And there's the him wanting, you know, Sam wanting to be a good husband. So going, yeah, March 25th sounds great. And then it's like, Inside oh, but I'm life. also a son. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's this is yeah. all normal. Biblically, you know, when Jesus says a husband will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife and the two will become one, like you know, what God joined together, let no one separate. A lot of people are like, that's affairs. That's about infidelity. It's like, cool. It actually comes on the context of him leaving his mother and father. Right. So it's not just like, don't have an affair. It's also like, hey, mom and dad, don't screw this up. Right. And if Jesus said it, there's a reason Jesus said it. Mm-hmm. And that's because there is the tension of when a son or a daughter leaves the family, there's tension in that family. Right. Like you're going into it and like that's that's biblical. And so you guys like just kind of ran into that buzz saw, but you still got married. You got married. Right. On Good Friday. Yeah. Yep. And again, and I would say this too, Good Friday, Good Friday is an important day, mm-hmm. but it is just a day. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, but in the Catholic church, there's a lot connected to it right like we don't do anything for good friday it's not because we don't care about the day it's because like we'll we focus on the resurrection but for you guys like you know you kind of hit that buzzsaw immediately so you're you're young and you're married now what is that like it's fine because the way we've always operated is we just don't communicate like everything was fine like we carried on and we still had a very surface level relationship i mean we didn't have kids at this point we actually made the decision at this point that we didn't want to be parents we didn't want any kids like we talked about that and we sam and i used to do like bodybuilding and powerlifting and we would spend two hours easy a day in the gym so we had this relationship now where we both went to work we came home and went to the gym together came home and ate a whole bunch of food rinse and repeat like that was it we said we don't want to give up this kind of lifestyle we were broke Mm-hmm. No business, you know, but paying for personal trainers and all this stuff. And it was fine. We d- we just didn't know each other. Like, again, we were still in that place of, like, you're a safe person. I enjoy your company. But that was it. I mean, we've never, sure. we didn't ever talk about our upbringing or what we want. And Sam, we're both very much, like, yes people, which is not good. So, like, if I ever make Sam mad or he doesn't agree with something, he won't say anything. And so that's kind of, I feel like the whole beginning of our relationship and our marriage was just you going along with everything. And so I thought like, we're super compatible. Like all of our decisions are so easy. We never fight. And I thought it's because we were like soulmates who were meant to be together, but it was really because we didn't know each other. Our relationship was very surface and Sam wasn't, and not in a bad way, but like you weren't contributing to it. You were just along for the ride to make it easy. Um, I'm very much a person that's, good at taking orders so like growing up in my household i just whatever i was told to do i'd get it done so that really i guess formed who i am even to this day like if Britt will say tell me to do something i'll ask no questions like he would never say like i don't want to do that or like could we do it this way he would just say okay you know and I, I recognize that now, but then I just thought, like, wow, we're so easy. Well, for you, you had such an unstable life. Like, 
even though you're saying it's shallow, that's still stability. Yeah. Where it's like, I need, I need him to show up yep. and, he shows, and he, up, he shows up and I need him to be consistent. Yep. Like these are all really good things. Like mm-hmm. what we long for in our life is consistency yep. and for people to show up and you have that. But at the same time, you guys were never like digging mm-hmm. below the surface to go, wait, you know, and again, like your, your childhood experiences and your young adult experiences kind of led to this place where it does feel like a match because he's filling in gaps and vice versa. Mm-hmm which in the end can be a really good thing when it's healthy, mm-hmm. right? It, which is so funny that you guys said you didn't think you want to be parents because you guys have a kid pretty quickly. Six mm-hmm. months after we got married, I was pregnant. Yeah. On purpose, too. Like we, And so at this point, we're going to church. Mm-hmm. I am dragging Sam to church. He, I'm still that new on-fire Christian that like thinks that church is going to fix my entire life and you know, as an adult now, thought back to when I didn't have this as a kid. And so I was like, hey, if we're married, if we're going to eventually have kids, like we have to do this because I don't want my kids to be a complete train wreck like I was because I didn't have Jesus. Like that's what I equated all of my problems to were because my parents didn't take me to church. And that's, this podcast has like made me feel good, but also like, oh my God, people who go to church also Oh yeah, we're have all have problems. And I was up. like, no, Everybody I thought screwed I was up. like <laughs> saving my kids by bringing them no. down. Sorry. So uh, it's fine. It's well, fine. Well, hold on. I'm sorry that this podcast ruined your dream. It's fine. <laughs> um, I would argue though, I'll use myself as the example. Didn't grow up going to church, started going when I was in middle school and went to a church that was all like collective. Mm. And while I've wrestled with doubt and while I've, you know, wrestled with all the things of life, like... I, I do think kids who grew up in good churches, right? And what I mean yeah. by good churches aren't just churches that have good things, mm-hmm. but churches that like press the parents sure. to be better and healthier parents. And then those kids grow up around adults who are working on themselves and they see that. So like, yeah. I think most people who've shared stories were like, yeah, I grew up in the church. Specifically, they grew up in a Christian church. It was more that they were just going. Right. And they'll right. say, I didn't so see my parents healing. Yeah. You know, I knew my parents had issues, but they never talked about them. They never, I never saw at a, a lot of times it's my dad never said, I'm sorry. Yeah. So you're sitting there going, the church will like, if, if my kids grow up in the church, they won't grow up the way I grew up. Did you ever look at Sam who grew up in the church and thought, I thought it was just cause he was Catholic. Okay. Like we were okay. for sure not. So we wrestled now where Sam and I, I feel like a lot of people do this, had so much church growing up and didn't have a good experience that like he was kind of deciding like, I don't want this for my life, for my family, for yeah. whatever. Why and would he? I'm the opposite of like, I didn't have this. This is why I was awful. So let's do this. And Sam, who is very much, I'll do whatever you say. We would go to church every Sunday. We tried a couple. They were always non-denominational churches because that's the only place I felt like I fed in. I did not want to go to any sort of church where I felt like I had to know what they were talking about in order to understand. Because a lot of non-doms, like, you can go and like, even if you don't know what's going on, like you can feel this like, oh, I got something from that. Like whether it was something from the Bible or it had to do with Jesus or just like a good feeling of like, sure, this validated how I'm feeling or whatever. Like that's the only place I wanted to be. And that also is because I didn't want to dig into it and learn anything. Sure. Like you can go to a non-dom your whole life and be like, yeah, I go to church. I love it. And know nothing. Yeah. And that was fine. And that's where we were. And so we went to, we moved a lot. We've church shop a lot. And we always found one that we were like, we'll go. But like, Sam. I was going to say, you you would feel that way. Yes. How would you feel? 
I just went. Every now and then, uh, depending on what church we would go to, I'd get something out of it. Yeah. Until we get to the parking lot and we're trying to leave, and I'm like, well, all of that's out the window. Yeah. So. And so anyway, we decided to have Charlotte. We're making it work. We're broke, but we're going to a church we actually like in Westminster. Mm-hmm. Um, we go every Sunday. We do small groups there, but didn't know a single person's name. We went through membership classes there. We went through parenting classes there. We went through Financial Peace University there, but got nothing out of it. We never talked about it. We never applied it to our life. I felt like once we left those front doors, it just stopped. Yeah. I was like, this doesn't matter. I don't know. I didn't realize there was more to it. I felt like this is how everybody does church. You just go, you just go. and you just leave. Like, I did not know. Do you guys feel like going to all those things, you're in a small group, you're going to a church, you got a kid now, that changes everything, right? It's actually easier to not communicate when you have kids. So you kind of like put in that place. But like, do you feel like there's any benefit to this at all? Or is it literally just, I'm doing what we're told to do, hoping that things are different? Like, it didn't feel like we're like, we go to this church and no one cares about us. It was like, there's a thousand people here. Like, why would we expect anybody to care I didn't realize until we got here to collective that you hang out with people church from people church. Yeah, no. Outside of church. Yeah. I would have never thought. Um Okay, so we our marriage is fine. Again, it's it's not fine. It's just it's going. It's going. Yes, and like yes. we don't think there's a problem. Yeah. We think we have this great marriage where everyone else fights and we don't, but it's just because we don't talk. We're living in my parents and like for context, my parents live in a 123-year-old farmhouse that used to be two apartments, but my parents just rent the whole thing and we lived upstairs. And it is, it is no good. It is old, it is gross, and we were living there. And we were like, hey, we have a kid. Our friends come to hang out with us here. Like, we need a house. And we had no money and we had no business. And we saw this house in Mount Airy. And we called a realtor and she was like, yeah, we can get a USDA loan. You guys can move in here for like a thousand dollars. And we bought a house. And then things started getting hard. We have a house payment. We have a kid. Sam's in the apprenticeship where like nothing against electricians, but they're very similar to truck drivers in the way of... It's all blue collar, right? Yeah. So... He's coming home and I'm seeing this whole personality change. And while I like adore being a mom and am very much like I can do this all myself... Sam is, like, I'm slowly watching Sam turn into this, like, curses all the time, drinking a beer every night now. And I'm always like, wait a minute. And we just started, like, not that we were ever super close, but we started really drifting. You start wanting to not go to church anymore, understandably, because you wake up early every day. You work long hours. Come Sunday, I would say I'm going to church, and Sam would be pissed. And he'd be like, stomping around the house and not speaking to me and we wouldn't speak the whole drive there and i got to the point where i was like hey i'm going to church you're ruining this for me you don't have to come i'm fine going by myself i actually didn't even invite you i'd rather you not come but i guess you just felt like you had to and then again i feel like you were back in the like i have to go to church and i don't want to and so it started slowly becoming this thing that we, st- we started doing less and less because I just didn't want to deal with the confrontation of I want to go to church, but I know Sam is going to be mad. And what's the point of us going to church if we're going to ignore each other all morning? And so we just 
I don't know, we slowly started going less. And then we moved to Mount Airy. So we were still driving to Westminster, which was like 30 minutes. And when you have a kid and you don't really want to go, it's really easy to not go. So we kind of stopped going for a while. Yeah. During that season of our lives, we would literally just show up for Christmas service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was about it. That filled us up for the year. With the pressure of the apprenticeship, trying to provide for our family, balancing that with parenting, which I had no clue how to do. Because you were 23. Um, (laughs) And then being around a bunch of other blue-collar fellows who aren't the most positive. Mm -hmm. Sure. Hard work ethic. Yeah. But, like, the early mornings, the yelling, all that, it'll get to you. And then, like Britt said, she started seeing this change in me. I started becoming a lot more jaded Mm -hmm. about life. My outlook on life was very, it's okay. But including, I guess, all of this, these extra hours that I'm putting in, just trying to, in the green, financially, right? Trying to make all this money, like having this opportunity to make all this money. I started hopping on that. And then the focus started changing from my family to materialistic things and work and trying to accumulate as much money as I can. And it was around this time, too, that you started getting into jujitsu. Yep. And so that was, like, a new hobby for you that you loved. So you were working all these hours, and then you'd come home and go to jujitsu, like, multiple nights a week. But we had a baby. Yeah. And I felt like I was a single parent. It was (laughs) very selfish of me because there would be days where I'd pull up to the house, literally change, I'd shower, put on my jujitsu clothes, and be like, see you, Britt. For hours, yeah. For, like, three hours. So. And, I again, I'm non-confrontational and I'm I don't know I just wouldn't say anything I just became very annoyed by him and very passive aggressive and shut down and so we lived in this for a while and so what did we decide to do have another baby yeah I mean that's what solves all the problems right like we're gonna have another baby she's gonna be adorable and sweet and easy like Charlotte Mm. yeah we have another baby on Christmas of 2019, and that's important. She was born on Christmas? She is a Christmas really? baby. Christmas oh, day. Man. And so Sam, um, I have a baby on Christmas, and Sam goes back to work December 26th. He leaves me in the hospital um, at 4 in the morning the next day, and I have to call my mom to pick me up. And he did that by choice. Not, I don't know if you felt like you had to or if you wanted to, but like that was the start of the, I'm not doing this anymore. And I like said something to you and you were like, I have to go to work, who cares? And it just wasn't, I don't know, it just wasn't registering to you like how big of a deal that was to me. Why'd you go to work? I had a conversation with uh, one of my foremen. I said, hey, um, I might not be here. My wife's pregnant. And then his response was, my last kid, he popped out at night. The next day I was back at work. Uh-huh. See you tomorrow. I was like, yeah. So it's culture again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right. Like it's it's, it's the, the get get it done. Like yeah. Work is your life. You'll come here. You'll provide a life for your family if they stick around. But which like how many don't though? Like don't. and that's the issue. And, and that and was that was the uh, that was the path I was on. The yeah. path of destruction. Um, losing everything that mattered. How old were you guys at this point? 
20. Well, Tegan's about to turn four. Five. She'll turn four on Christmas. So yeah, you're 25, 26. Yeah. You must have just turned 26 because December. So you're 26 years old. Two kids. Two kids. Yeah. Careers. Mm-hmm. Right. Different than what you expected. I'm assuming yeah. there's some tension in that as well. Which is like everybody our age who went to school for one thing ended up mm-hmm. doing another and then had to pay an incredible amount of money to apologize for doing the wrong thing, yep. right? But you guys are at a point where, again, you're still young and you're kind of done with it, mm-hmm. right? Sam, were you feeling the same way where you're like, oh, I'm done on this? Or were you just going, I'm just going to put my head down and do what I need to do to provide? I'm not sure if I was... I think I chose to be unaware. I could see that she couldn't like stand me, but I just pretended like everything was okay. And so Tegan comes along. Um, Tegan is the hardest baby. She has colic and then extended colic, and then we don't know what's wrong with her. But that kid screamed, and she didn't sleep. And I have a two-year-old and a newborn, and now Sam. And not to his fault, but like he's thinking I've got this because. I sure. have never asked him for help. So he's coming home still, long hours, going to jujitsu, where I'm like, oh my God, I have these two little kids. I'm drowning, truly yeah. drowning. And then the week I'm supposed to go back from maternity leave, the world shuts down because of COVID. So Sam's an essential worker, and he never took a single day off from COVID. And I'm a teacher, so I went to fully online. And yeah. nobody can come help me watch the kids. The kids can't go anywhere. So I am teaching virtual first grade for seven hours a day with a three-month-old and a two-year-old and I am losing my mind like absolutely losing my mind and I despise Sam at this point because I'm like you get to get out of the house your life is normal you didn't just have a baby you're not now completely shifting what your career has done like your life has not changed and I felt like my life was on fire and I didn't feel like you cared whether you did or not that's just how I felt and I started getting just in a really bad headspace. So similarly at this time, one of my childhood best friends was going through a really disgusting divorce, like really nasty, and I was his go-to. And so while my life felt like it was falling apart, he was calling me three times a day to tell me about his marriage falling apart. So I felt like I was also taking that on. But what happened there that was huge was I slowly realized like, this man is so upset about his wife leaving, I don't even think my husband cares about me. And so I would listen to him literally like pour his heart out about how much he loved his wife and how he can't go on if she left. And I started thinking, if I told Sam I was leaving, would he even ask a question or would he be relieved? Like, and so then I started getting in my own head being like, I am in this loveless marriage. I have a spouse who isn't even noticing that I'm drowning. At this point, I am drinking excessively. My hair is falling out. I can't, like all this stuff is going on and I'm starting to feel crazy. And I feel like if I talk to you about it, you do, like you didn't say anything, you didn't do anything. So then we decided we're gonna sell our house and buy a new one. (laughs) At this point, starting with jujitsu, that's where I met Luke Staley and Adam Schubel, who Mm -hmm. like for probably two years just kept poking at me saying like, hey, listen to God's word. Let's talk about Jesus. But like yeah. for two years, I was like, no. Yeah, you had. I was like, yeah, I, I grew up in church. I'm fine. But yeah. yeah. At this point, you guys are just sprinting toward bottoming out. Oh yeah. So during that time, if, if there is a turning point, what is the the turning point? 
our friends, Adam and Jenny, um, Adam's a pilot. And during COVID, they didn't know if he was going to lose his job. So Jenny became a realtor. And she was like, hey, you guys have two kids. You live in a really small house. Uh, the market's really good. I have to find my first couple of clients on my own. Can I sell your house? Uh, and we say, sure, we'll buy a new house. And so Jenny sells our house. And we very quickly realized we don't have the money to buy a new house and everyone else is trying to buy a house and we were stuck in this place of no house. So yeah. we moved in with Adam and Jenny and my parents part-time on the weekends. We'd go back to my parents to like do laundry and all that stuff. But like during the week we lived with Adam and Jenny and Adam and Jenny are awesome. And you know, as we've gotten to know them more and more and more, it's everyone has their problems and everyone has their things. But like for some reason to both of us, Adam and Jenny had like the perfect marriage and they were the perfect parents. And Sam felt like he was learning how to be a good dad and a good husband from Adam. And I was feeling like there is a whole nother life that I could have and it could look like this and mine doesn't look like this. And so we just were living there. And for Sam, I think he thought it was like a good thing. And for me, it was like the worst possible thing that could happen because you know, the last person I lived with who was married were my parents and it was shit. So like, yeah. Now that I'm living with a couple and I see how good their marriage is and how they talk and they walk by each other and they like touch like and I was like is that what I could have? Like could I have a good marriage? And I was like I went out of this. How am I going to get out of this now? Meanwhile, everything is still going on. I am what I didn't know at the time, but I am very depressed and I didn't realize it and nobody else around me did. And so I start telling Sam, like, I don't feel good. I'm having these weird physical symptoms. I, like, something's wrong. And I kept telling him, and I went to a lot of doctors. They just kept being like, oh, I don't know. And then I remember this one lady said to me, you're a new mom. You're going to feel like this until your kid's five, and then you'll yeah. be fine. And that was the day yeah. I said, I'm not going to make it till five. I'm going to kill myself. Like, And, like, that was the first time a thought came into my mind. And I was like, that was weird. I've never thought something like that before whatever and I just kind of like pushed it aside and then I started feeling like that every single day side note Sam and I sleep on separate floors of our house because Sam snores so bad but we're living in a guest room so I'm in you know in the same bed as Sam who's snoring so loudly Tegan is a terrible sleeper so if I actually do fall asleep she's waking up crying yeah. so it gets to the point where I'm literally sleeping on the floor as far away from the bed as I can be which is me like curled up in a corner by the door and I'm not sleeping, which doesn't help when you already like aren't in your right mind and don't feel good. And then you're not sleeping. And so like every night for like a week, I kept being like, I can't do this anymore. I cannot do this anymore. I cannot do this anymore. And it's getting like progressively worse. And Sam is hanging out with Adam and he's so happy. And like Sam loves Adam and we both do, but like I'm miserable. And I'd come out and Sam's like sitting there eating breakfast with Adam and like cracking up laughing and like living his life. And I'm like, I'm on the brink of not being here and you're just happy. And so then I got this thing in my head where like, you guys are all better off if I'm not here. And one night we, I wasn't sleeping and I thought like, I'm gonna actually kill myself. Like I'm gonna do this. And I sat up and I thought, holy crap, am I really willing to do this in our best friend's house in front of their kids, in front of my kids? And I sat there. I didn't ever slept the rest of the night. And I had a whole plan of how I was going to do it because I felt like I couldn't leave the marriage because that was going to be bad on me. And I was going to ruin my kids and all this stuff. So I just was like, this is the easier way out. 
I just sat there at the door. And then the next morning I looked at Sam and I said, if I don't leave this house, I'm going to kill myself. Like I have to leave. And so I took Charlotte. No, I took Tegan. And I said, you can keep Charlotte, but I'm leaving. I want a divorce. I'm out of this. And like, don't call me. And I left and I took Charlotte or I took Tegan because she was still a baby. And you became super dad that day and took her to an amusement park and taught her to ride a bike. And I was like, <laughs> mad. And I was mad. And I called my mom and I told her, you know, I'm getting a divorce. I don't know what this is going to look like. Uh, Sam has, I, you know, Tegan at this point was probably, she wasn't a baby. I guess she was like one. Yeah. I said, Sam's Just never given Tegan a bath. He's never fed her. I'm getting full custody of the kids. He doesn't know how to be a dad. He doesn't help me. I can't trust him with them. You know, and so I had this whole plan and you told me you didn't want to get a divorce. You were like, I don't want to, I don't want to get a divorce. And it wasn't like, I'm like, I love you so much. You're the love of my life. I can't lose you. And even though you said from that, like you did feel that way, mm -hmm. you just were like, I don't want to get a divorce. And so we just pretended nothing happened. Moved into this bought house. Bought a house, bought a brand new house and moved in. And I felt like my window of ever leaving is gone i then went to another doctor who sat me down and did one of those um like postpartum screens yeah. they give you yeah and i circled five for everything and she came back in and she sat down and she said you're not sick you're depressed like seriously depressed and for some reason her just like telling me that i wasn't crazy and there was something wrong like didn't fix anything but like i was like oh my god like this makes sense like maybe i don't hate sam and want to leave my marriage maybe i'm depressed maybe covid has been shit and maybe raising babies is hard and maybe not communicating with your spouse is not okay and so just her giving a name to what i was feeling started to make things a little bit better and then we moved into the house and we, I mean, we did have a talk. I remember we were walking like at a field at a playground and we had a big talk about like, we cannot have any more kids. Like we, our marriage cannot handle another, I know, right? Gotcha. Like our marriage cannot handle another baby. We never fix it. We never went to marriage counseling. We never, we just. Just do what Sam always does and just brush. sleeps it under the rug. And, and the next it. day we act like things were normal. So then we're in this new house and Adam and Jenny are opposites of us. Like Adam really enjoys church and likes going to church. And they had not recently moved, but you know, he's military and they were moving around and they hadn't found a home church in Frederick. And I want to go to church because I love church. And Jenny has no desire to go to church and you have no desire to go into church. So one day, uh, Adam and I, we were all hanging out and Adam and I sat in their living room and Googled non-denominational churches near Frederick. And we went to 10 Dang. and Adam and I would be like, it was okay. And Sam and Jenny were like, it was awful. We're not going back there. And it went like that for months. And which is, which I will say, like, I don't like the phrase church shopping, mm -hmm. right? Because it's like, ugh, like, sure. you know, you'll never get the exact car that you want to get. Sometimes you just have to get the car that's functional and like works for your family. You still have to make good decisions, right? And church is kind of the same way. You're never going to be able to pick the most perfect church that fits all the things that you need. But I say all that to say, when you are looking for the church that fills a lot of those gaps or feels right, it is exhausting and it is vulnerable and it's frustrating. And like 
for people who get into that phase where like, I'm gonna try this one, try this one. I always tell them like, hey, go one week, don't go to the next. Yeah. Like, and then go the next week and then maybe take two weeks off because it will lead to more tension in your marriage because all it's telling you, you're, you're feeling the feelings of, I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. I can't be real here. You're a mixed race couple. That's weird here. You know, there's all these reasons and it, and it can mess with marriages mm-hmm. because all those feelings that you get that are negative from that church experience, they have to play out somewhere. Now, you guys aren't ones to really talk about those things, but like, I'm sure you're feeling those things. And so, you know, that's... 10 churches is a lot, but eventually you guys end up here. here. Mm-hmm. We're still on like terrible terms. So we're not discussing this. We're not like, well, what are you looking for in a church? Well, what are you like? We're just showing up to churches that we giggled, you know? And I remember looking on collectives and I think it's something about like grab a beer somewhere on there or something. And you guys were like, oh, that one sounds cool. And we came and I think it was like one of the first weeks you were in this building, I guess, yeah. which we didn't realize. And so we showed up and I couldn't, I had to go to the parent care room because it's weird to bring your kids and just keep dumping them in churches because especially like they were like one in three, like they're not just going to walk into. It's hard. And so I think you guys were going into service and I think I sat in the parent care room and I don't know what happened, but everyone was like, that one could work. And that was, this was the first one where everyone was like, we could do that. And so we just, I don't think we've missed a Sunday since. (laughs) Like, I very quickly wanted to, I think the day we came, I like signed up to serve and wanted to know about small groups. And again, not because I had any sort of like relationship with Jesus. It was just like, if I, you know, get our family involved in a church, our life will be okay. Or at least on paper. Britt suggested we go to a small group Mm -hmm. at the Thompson's house. Yeah. I was very angry because that was Thursday night. That was (laughs) jujitsu. So first night we get there, we pull up. I just see a bunch of people standing there. I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm not going to like this. And I'm so naive, and I still don't understand anything. So, like, I thought CT was a pastor. (laughs) Like, I knew you were a pastor, but I thought he was, like, an equal pastor. I don't know how any of this works, right? And so then I just walk in and assume that Rachel is this stay-at-home mom who bakes cookies for her pastor husband and, like, giggles like this. You know, that's what I'm expecting. And I have a conversation with Rachel, and I'm like, you are intense, and you work for NASA, and I am not (laughs) comfortable right now. And I just had this whole idea of, like, I don't know. I just thought that everybody who was in church and went to small group had their life together and had a perfect marriage and knew and loved Jesus. And th- th- we walked in there and I was like, everything I thought I knew is not real. Mm-hmm. We left and we we're like, that was kind of cool. <laughs> I think we want to go back again. Mm-hmm. And we kept going back and we slowly started like. I think that's our, our small group, the Yellow Spring small group. That's where the healing of our marriage started. I mean, it's still a continuous process, but that's when Rachel and CT really stepped into our lives and showed us the path to redemption. Well, and also, like, nobody knew. Like, Mm -hmm. my mom knew what was going on, but, like, none of our friends knew. And even Adam and Jenny, I just told Adam, like, three weeks ago that, like, how bad I was when we lived there and he was like I had no idea and I was like nobody knew because we've always been good at 
faking it. pretending everything is okay. And when we started going to small group and we heard people talking about their struggles and stuff they had going on, we were like, oh my gosh, everybody struggling. Like, and again, I had this picture that if our family went to church, you know, we would be perfect. And when I realized it wasn't, it was hard, but it was also like beautiful because I was like, hey, you know, we're all messed up and Mm -hmm. it's okay. And we, that's the first place we ever sat down and said like, hey, we're fresh off of almost getting a divorce. And nobody was like, but the Bible says you can't get a divorce. Everyone was like, how are you guys? And we were like, wait, we can talk about this? And like, you guys want to hear it? And you're going to give us advice that isn't just like, I mean, when I told my mom I wanted a divorce, she said, you can't do that. You have kids. Sure. You know, and I was expecting them to be like, the Bible says you can't. And God will be mad at you if you get a divorce. And nobody was. They were very, everyone had their own stuff. And that was the first time we felt like, we belong here and we can make friends here and we can we can do this like we can fix this mm-hmm. for you sam as somebody who's like yeah just tell me what to do and i'll do it i believe at collective you've like worked through a lot of that stuff because you essentially you know we here's all these things that you can do and you're like no i'm not ready to get baptized yet i'm not going to join a team like i'm going to figure this out but like you also didn't just do everything to check a box. And it's interesting for me, like hearing the backstory on this, cause like, I get it, like you're a go with the flow guy, but I never would have thought that you had past church experience where like, whatever you tell me to do, I'm gonna do it. So much of your faith here has been, okay, hold on one second. Let's wrestle with this. Let's fight with this. Let's, let's kind of work through those things. But at the same time, like collective isn't a church where you can just kind of show up and check a bunch of boxes because we don't care. (laughs) We don't care if you check boxes. You know, we care if you're well. So for you personally, what about that did you lean? Like why, why specifically did you lean into that? Because there wasn't, CT especially for you, is not the type of person who's like, all right, man, just check some boxes. Just just glad you're here. He didn't care if you were there. He cared why you were there. And so for you personally, like what was the change? What was that change like for you? Seeing or listening to how broken everyone was. Like you are very open about your life experience. And growing up in a church or growing up in the Catholic Church, it was very hush-hush on your problems. Yeah. You just go through the motions. If you had problems, if you had baggage, you didn't bring it there on Sundays. Yeah. You do. You just kneel. Yeah. Listen to what the priest says, and that's about it. But here, the, the biggest change was listening to people's stories, like the Wells, the Thompsons, all of them. Everyone is broken in yep. some way yeah and to see that or see god change people's lives when they were like the lowest of the lows seeing what he could do in other people's lives i was like he could do that in mine and that's when i started to lean in yeah i remember at one point so luke staley was huge for us too and luke doing fca like part of his job is to do like bible study with people and so he told Sam, like, I'm going to come do a Bible study with you. And I remember saying the words to Luke of, like, you can come do this Bible study with Sam. And this, I mean, we were in an okay place, but, like, 
I was like, you can come do this Bible study with Sam, but like Sam is never going to read his Bible and Sam is never going to serve and Sam is never going to get baptized. And like, and I was just really clear about it. And you were like, yeah, you know, like you were still in this place to where you were happy going to church and you liked the company, Mm -hmm. but like you weren't interested in the life of a Christian, you know, like literally walking with Jesus. It was more like, I don't know, you were getting there, but like, I just never, I said to him, like, he will never pick up a Bible. Like I would fall dead before I ever saw Sam pick up a Bible willingly and read it. And then from then, like you read the Bible every day, you know, and I know sometimes you've been off, but. I've been off because the Bible I have has very small font. (laughs) (laughs) But like you did, I mean, you. But yeah, I mean. He's doing all of it and like, it's insane. And here you are and it's, it's weird. I mean, and that's the that's the crazy thing, right? So, like, I mean, one of the top moments from 2023 is Sam's baptism. And, you know, there's not a dry eye in the house yeah. as people celebrate you as a father, as a man of God. One of my favorite things from this past year, I can't remember when it was, but it's a picture that Brittany took of you reading your Bible to your girls, mm-hmm. right? serving on the connections team now. I think this this episode, both episodes are going to be hard for people to listen to because they see where you guys are now, mm-hmm. right? You open your home every week. You guys um, are officially leading the Brunswick small group, which is just this incredible, incredible community of people. But just two, three years ago, you know, you were at a point where you guys were done. I do think we should talk, though, about one of the things that you said was, hey, we're done having children. This year, yeah. you guys had your third. We would literally say a pregnancy test would come with divorce papers. Like, we always said that because, like, we had worked to be in a pretty okay place. I still don't think our marriage was good. Even some days now, our marriage is no good. Yeah. Honestly, like, but we were okay and Sam had changed, and not saying like anything that was his fault. Like we both had huge parts in this, but like Sam had changed. He was a good dad now. He and, and like he'll tell you then. Like back then when we were on the verge of divorce, like Sam wasn't a good dad, and I wasn't a good wife. Like no fault, but like he's a good dad now, and he was then. And I just wasn't willing to go back to that place. Like as much as I wanted another baby, I was like I would rather keep our family, keep our marriage always long for that third baby that just be that like I don't want to go back to this place where we're on the brink of a divorce again it's not worth it to me and so I've always wanted to foster and I don't know why I didn't grow up with anybody who was fostered or adopted and it's just something that I've had this heart to do and I would bring it up to Sam and he's like I don't like other people's kids (laughs) I'm not taking care of other people's I mean truly like he was like absolutely not yeah and so last summer I really felt this like I could not shake this feeling of like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And like, I can't do this if you're not doing it. Like, and that's one of the weird, like, it's a weird calling to where like, two people have to be on board or it doesn't happen. Like, I can't just decide to foster. Yep. Like he has to go through all the classes and all the backgrounds. And he, like, if they interviewed him and said like, he's like, I don't wanna do this. We couldn't open our home, like rightfully so. And so I just was in this place where I was like, I feel like God is literally telling me like in like constantly like you are supposed to be fostering, you have a beautiful home and you have resources and you are supposed to be sharing them. That is like the purpose of like everything I've learned is like 
share this and do this. And so I wanted to, and every day I was like journaling and praying and I would just be like, if this is what I'm meant to do with my life, you've got to open Sam's heart to it because I can't, I can't nag him. And Sam is the husband, as you've learned that if I kept bothering him, he would have eventually said yes. And we would have bottomed out because it's not something you can do lightly. And I don't know, I just kept praying about it. And I kept like, I'll look back at my journal at that time. I was doing like a devotional of like finding your purpose. And like, it was like, my purpose is to be a foster family and da, 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 da. And then one day Sam was like, I think I want to do this. And he was like quoting Bible verses to me and like saying like, you know, it is a calling and I want to do this. And I was like, holy crap, like, this is it. Like my calling, my purpose, he's moved Sam's heart. Like, this is what we're going to do. And then I found out I was pregnant <laughs> and <laughs> I honestly like was mad and I am very sick and I had to convince myself cause I wanted a third baby and Sam didn't. So I had to go through months of convincing myself of why our family did not need a third baby, why I did not want a third baby. And I thought all of that was leading up to this point of us fostering. And that's why I didn't get my third baby because this was a whole other calling that God was asking of us and we were, being faithful to that and we knew it was going to be hard and I was giving up my third baby dream and I was fine with it and then I found out I was pregnant and I was mad and all I kept thinking was I'm not going to be able to foster my marriage is done uh my mental health is back in the garbage like this is the worst thing that could have happened and I lived in that for eight months (laughs) I mean also too like throughout the pregnancy that small group that was so important to you guys they went through a lot. Yep. yep. And, and I felt so much yep. guilt. Yep. And yep. I don't I don't even know the words for the feelings, but they were not good. Yeah. It's, it was a hard place. It was a hard place mm-hmm. to come to terms with not having a third kid, then be pregnant, and then watching people you love who yep. have loved you guys really well suffer loss. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, really it's what Satan does best, which is lie to us and try to kill, steal, and destroy the things of, of our hearts and our desires and in our community. And you project and, you know, you think that what you're doing is hurting them and it hurts them, but you're not hurting them. Like there's all those things that went into it. It was a lot. I I would assume there wasn't as much joy uh, as you had hoped Mm-mm. through the pregnancy. Mm-mm. Right. Yeah. But then you have this baby and I am obsessed with him. He's the cutest kid in the world. Coming out of that, though, right? This is your first kid with the best version mm-hmm. of your marriage, which, like you guys said, there's still more <laughs> yeah. to grow. You know, joking. Third kid means divorce. Yeah. But you have Barrett. You're surrounded by these people. Mm-hmm. How did it feel? It felt amazing mm-hmm. just to be surrounded by um, people who love you, care about you. We have friends in our life now who like truly care about like our marriage and our children. And we were in such a better place that like when we had Barrett, to me, it felt like the first time we were like having a baby together. And it was like, I don't know, we were just happy. Like I, to be, you know, we're regular attendants of a church. We have a community. We are operating like a family, like. It just was so different from, I don't know, it was just so different. When people care about you and they show love towards you without wanting anything in return, yeah, um, it's a pretty wild feeling. Mm-hmm. So that's what this church has definitely provided us with. Um, just 
the grace, the second chances. And we feel like um, we don't deserve any of it. Like no. Sam almost, I'm not even joking, almost every time we hang out with Rachel and CT, at I some know. point <laughs> Sam says, I don't know why you guys talk to us. Like it just comes out and they're like, what are you talking about? And I like, we feel the same way. We're like, because we've never, we've just never had people who cared like that. No. And it doesn't make sense to us. And we've, I don't know, we were, we've kind of always been feeling like, oh yeah, these people care. And then once we become part of the church, like they'll move on to more sure, people to care sure. about. And they don't. It's crazy how undeserving, like I feel I am, like, years of being just like this bag of shit it weighs very heavy i know the grace is there but i'm always waiting for that that shoe to drop yeah i mean unconditional love is super confusing you guys have been around long enough and you guys see it from a different perspective now because you're leaders at collective and you pour out to other people and now other people are telling you why are you doing this mm -hmm. why do you open your home for me like why are you allowing me to come in my mess and and talk about my mess in your house and then i leave your house and then you're responsible for cleaning it up um but like you know the beauty of our stories and the beauty of this podcast and part of the reason why you guys are the kick for season two is coming on the the, t the tail end of the thompson sharing their story and you two are a fulfillment of a dream and a burden God put on their life to go start a church in an area where they didn't know people. And God told them, like, there's people that need you. Their life experience, CT's being bullied and being left out and Rachel's childhood growing up in the Catholic church and feeling like everything has to be perfect in order to be loved led them to being the people through Jesus, through healing and all that, that love you guys. And what's really cool is season three will probably start with an episode of people that you guys have loved in the same way, you know, and that is Jesus. Mm -hmm. That is the church, right? That is why God created the church to show who God is through the mess and through the brokenness and through all the chaos with that. And, you know, it's a really crappy place when collective sometimes feels too good to be true mm -hmm. right when you're here and you're like all right here it comes michael's a psychopath and it's like yeah in some ways yeah. sure like i promise you like i'll never stop being the pastor of this church because i stole money it'll be because i beat someone up in a parking lot somewhere because i can't handle the rage <laughs> like you know so like, you got to kind of take the good with the bad but it is tough sometimes especially when you grew up in a church experience which said if this then that you know, one of the cool things, too, to come out of this story, which, again, another reason why we chose this for, for episode one is, you know, Brittany, that burden and that passion while fostering in your house isn't on the table right now has turned into you leading the Frederick chapter of an organization called the Forgotten Initiative, which is for foster care. Again, that burden is still that burden, that calling still that calling. It's just different than what you expected it to be. If I look back at my devotional like and it's all about like finding your purpose and finding your passion it was all about foster care and the day I found out I was pregnant I never picked that back up it was like I didn't want to look at it anymore and I felt like I didn't know what my purpose was anymore and I knew this meant a career change and I knew a baby like I just knew how much change was coming and I felt like we were finally at a place where like our marriage was good we knew what God was calling us to do and it felt like he took that which is weird and confusing and a baby is a gift and it's what I wanted and I was getting it and I was angry and I was saying like, why would you put this calling on my life? And 
finally have my husband feel that calling to rip it away from us. While I felt like my purpose was ripped, I don't think it was. I think we needed God to show us that there was more work we had to do and he had more for us. And it's not that he was saying no to dreams we had. He was delaying them for our good, which in the time felt very not good. Like, But now I can see like, you know, will we foster down the line? I hope so. You know, that's obviously a big thing. But like, I, I have so much more confidence in our marriage and our parenting now than I would have then. Well, and Barrett is the proof of community that doesn't bail. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, I mean, people struggle with this at Collective when, when especially when someone that's not me is like, hey, you need to wrestle with baptism. Hey, you need to wrestle with serving. Because the fear is you do those things and they're like, okay, see ya. You know, and they just kind of parachute. Like it's their just to get else. you to somewhere. Right. Yeah. And so you guys in this, this 2023 was a really big year for you guys and understanding like, man, like specifically with the, with the Thompson, they just want what's best for you. Mm-hmm. And they know that baptism is a part of that. But they also know that fighting for your marriage is a part of that. Mm-hmm. And they also know that once you have the baby supporting you and caring for you yeah. is a part of that. And so, you know, it is one of those things where through Barrett, you guys get to see like, hey, this community actually is ride or die community. Oh, yeah. It's not just Sam's baptized and like on to the next. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about this in, in our December series, like every good and perfect gift comes from God. Mm-hmm. And I think having a baby showed you, like, here's all these really wonderful gifts that we have. The gift of a child, but the gift of community and the gift of redemption oh, yeah. and the gift of restoration. And it kind of brought all this stuff together. It did. Um, which is just kind of crazy to think that this all started with you two accidentally bumping into each other in the middle of the night <laughs> at a stranger's house, essentially. Yep. I'm I'm excited. Uh, we're not going to talk a lot on the, this episode about it, Brittany. We'll have you back on to talk more about the Forgotten Initiative. Um, people are going to learn a lot about how the foster community is something that should be near and dear to every Christian's heart. But let, let's get to one of my favorite questions as as we kind of hit resolution in, in these stories, um, or at least this portion of it is. So faith has been a big part of it. It's been in and out. You guys have spent time in church, done all the box checking in church. But obviously it's different now. So if you had to like describe what faith feels like now, what would that be? I still feel like I don't know enough and I don't feel like I ever will. I feel somehow closer to God than I ever have, but similarly almost further than I ever have because I'm realizing that it's more than just Jesus loves you and that's it. And there's so much more to unpack. And sometimes I have big questions and I don't know how to wrestle with them or I don't know what to do with them. And I'm trying to read my Bible more and I'm looking into like apologetics more and I'm really trying to make faith make sense for me and be personal to me instead of just this surface of Jesus loves everybody and that's enough. So right now I'm kind of in a space where I am really trying to dig my heels in and have a really firm foundation of what I believe and why and see where that fits and where I can see that in my life and I'm sure everybody at some point like wrestles with doubts and questions and things. But like when you do that as an adult, it's kind of like confusing because I want everything to make sense and some things just don't. Yep. So then I'm trying to like seek answers and it's making more questions. And so like, I just feel like now I'm really trying to own my faith and make it my own and live it out. You can just see me and know what I stand for and what I believe. And I feel like I'm trying so hard on that. And when I fall short of that, it it's hard. Reminding myself that there is grace. And if I don't read my Bible one day, it doesn't mean I'm a bad Christian or that I shouldn't read it the next day. So right now, faith feels 
I feel like it saved our marriage. I feel like it has saved my life and I owe everything to God. I just want to make sure that people know that. One of the things you're talking about is there's this thing called sanctification, which is this idea of like becoming more like Jesus. Yeah. Grace, I think, is what helps us heal and helps us understand um, who Jesus is and feel safe and like Mm -hmm. we belong. And then once we kind of heal through those things, there's a, okay, like, God, what are you asking me to do next? You know, so that freaks people out sometimes, like the constant, like, all right, God, what's next? What's next? What's next? But that's kind of the phase that you're in. Like, you've seen his grace. You've seen what it can do. And you're like, yep, I want that. But also, like, okay, God, now that the marriage is getting healthier, now that the family's healthier, now that the purpose is healthier, what else are you calling me to? Um, It's when it gets a little scary. You know, that's when he's asking you to be bold and take risks. But ultimately, what he's asking you to do is to create opportunities for that grace to be seen in other people. Um, Sam, what about you? My faith is definitely a lot more fortified than it was a couple, just like a couple years ago. I am still a yes man, but I tend to only really say yes to God at this point, whether it be having that hard conversation or choosing to be baptized to something as simple as inviting people to church. Just a couple years ago, I would not. I wouldn't dare ask someone from work or jiu-jitsu to be like hey you should come to christmas service yeah. with us yeah um there's a You're ton of people here game. because of you guys <laughs> like that's yeah. huge and i think just how my faith has impacted our marriage mm-hmm. i think trying to go through this life without any guidance from christ is you're, you're not gonna make it yeah you're just gonna implode so focusing on Jesus and making him the center of all of your decisions, that is the only way to success in this life, which is fleeting. But you know what's funny? I think we both individually do this now. Like, we both have a pretty strong individual faith, but, like... Together, we have have work to do. Christ being the center of your decision-making and stuff. And, like, we both do that, but we don't do it together. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, weird. I mean, it's that's, so weird. That's, like, parenting, too. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's marriage in general. Like, you have these two separate entities, and you're trying to figure out how to bring them together. And so sometimes in marriage, you both have to, like, get right, you know, and, like, figure it out and then bring it together. Yeah. All right, so let's – let's uh, two more questions. Um, one of them, if there was advice or wisdom that you guys had, and it could be about anything – Right, faith, marriage, parenting. Um, what what wisdom and advice would you share with the listeners today? Uh, fight for your marriage every day. It's it's not going to be an easy road. Um, it's a battle. Every day is a new one. Um, you're going to have ups and downs. Money is not the center of yeah. Should not be the center of your life. Like what is that? You can't have two masters. You can yep. either yep. Mm-hmm. worship God or money. Yep. You can't do both. So wherever your heart lies will dictate how the rest of your life goes. That's good. I think my advice would be seek and find genuine community. When we were going through our really hard spot and when I was going through a really hard spot, I did not feel like I had anyone but i i mean i we've have friends and i don't want to make it sound like we don't have good friends like we've we're social people we've always had friends but we have never had genuine true 
relationships with other people and it's changed everything and it takes being vulnerable and it takes putting yourself out there and showing up to small groups or whatever it takes but like I don't think our marriage would have survived. I don't know if either of us would still be going to church. I don't know what our life would look like if we hadn't met a couple of key people who we could talk to about our stuff and know our story and still hang out with us. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we had friends back when, you know, and and a lot of times it's also your insecurities. Like, you know, like I said, Adam and Jenny have been our good friends forever, but they had no idea what was going on. And we just, not that we felt like we couldn't tell them, we weren't in a place where we felt like we should or like, I don't know. And now we have these friends and like, they're part of that, you know, they're part of our community. A lot of people here are, and having people who love you and want to love you and want to know you. And it's just changes everything. And it's changed our marriage because, you know, we'll sit down with friends and we won't just talk about the weather. We'll talk about hard stuff and it transfers to us talking more you know and you can't do this alone whether it's life or faith or anything and we're built to be in community and when you ignore that and you're like us and you go to a church for years where you check all the boxes and nothing in your life changes it's because you have no community and this church is surrounded by people who not only know the importance of community but they want to offer that to people and we could have easily not gone to small group or could have gone to small group and sat in the back and not shared and not talked and you know people would have known our name and that probably would have been it and we probably wouldn't even go here anymore you know like and so if you feel like that's part of your life that you're missing like it's huge and it can change your entire life especially but you have to make sure the community that you're surrounded with is giving life to you and you know we could have easily found community that was not from the church Mm -hmm. and could have steered us the opposite way but having true community that like you can go to with hard things and they're going to give you not their advice but like what would jesus do and what does the bible say like it changes the depth of your relationship and what you get out of like it's just i don't know we've just never had it and i don't know if i don't know i don't know what we'd do without it yeah that's good all right, last question. If you had a Bible verse or a few, um, what would your favorite verse be? And um, for those of you listening to the podcast, uh, if, if you're new to all of this, new to Collective, um, we did this whole series called Marked this fall that was based on the scripture that people shared from season one. And so um, just a, another way to encourage you to kind of lean in and, and read verses um, that were shared by other people. And it's it's on our app. It's on the website, all that stuff. Um, but I'm excited to start season two of this um, because one of the things that we learned is Scripture has, there's so many verses in the Bible. And even though we asked about 75 people to share their favorite, only a few of the verses were shared again, like multiple times. But even in that, they were shared for different reasons. And that's the beauty of Scripture. Like it speaks to all of us differently based on our life experiences, based on what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us. Mm -hmm. And so this is a really special part of this podcast. And so, um, Sam, I'll start with you. My favorite verse, um, it actually just came across within the past couple months, is uh, 1 Peter 4, um, line 10. And serve each other according to the gift each person has received as good managers of God's diverse gifts. 
whether it be you have the gift of gab and you could speak to people or if you're good at, I don't know, fighting. Just share that with others. Just don't keep that to yourself. Don't be greedy with it, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Try to teach others. Yeah. Just be a good steward of the gift. I love that verse. I have two, and the first one is the first Bible verse I ever opened a Bible and saw. I'll just never forget. Like, when I read it, I literally out loud went, huh, like, oh. And so that was a friend in college had taken me to youth group. What is it called? Young Living? Young Life. Something? Yeah. Young Life? I don't know. <laughs> one of those things. And I just opened a Bible, and it was Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And I feel like that's one that's, like, played out. But that's the first Bible verse I had ever seen. And I thought man, he has a plan for me? Like, yeah. all of this crap that I've went to? Like, and then it kind of, like, was weird because I was like, is that his plan for me? Like, that's awful. But then it made me think, like, maybe it's not. Like, maybe he has a bigger plan for me. And even now, like, looking at Barrett and talking about how I thought I knew God's will for my life, which is, I think, the first mistake I had. And, you know, and then feeling like what, you know, getting pregnant with Barrett was like, him almost punishing us and then now seeing like oh my god no this is always his plan and it is to prosper us and not to harm us and not to harm you know and to give us hope in a future in our marriage like it just speaks so clearly to me and every time i see it it like gives me chills but then the other one that i've really been holding to lately and it'll maybe speak to why i'm in this like place that i was talking about is Titus 2, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's long, but Barrett's middle name is actually Titus because I found this one when I was pregnant with him and I just loved it. Titus 2, and it talks about how men should live and how women should live. And I love that wisdom. But then at the end, it depends on the verse, the version you read of it. But it says, um, in your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. And in that verse, he's talking about, like, I guess us as Christians and like, God, that's why so many people don't like Christianity because they think it's so hypocritical and people go to church on Sunday and live another way. And like, I just want my life to be the story of Jesus. And I don't want anyone to ever look at me and think that's what I thought. Or like, you know, not want to go to church or not want anything to do with Jesus because of me. I so desperately want the opposite. Um, And so when I'm feeling like I'm not living up to this. I'll read this and be like, are the things I'm saying and doing, are they pointing people to Jesus or am I just being part of the culture? And so I really enjoy that one too. I, that's like my anchor back to when I feel like I'm not doing what I should. Yeah, that's great. When I saw you guys sign up for, for season one, actually, uh-huh. and we had to move it because of Barrett. Thinking about telling that story even six months ago, and just how different the ending mm-hmm. would be to this episode, right? Not to just story, mm-hmm. not to life. It feels like another one of those gifts of just a little bit of time and the ability to create a little bit more perspective and a little bit more understanding and um, not having a story that's just, here's all the chaos and here's where we are, but here's all the chaos and we're seeing God do some things with it. You know, it's it's beautiful. It's the whole point of, of this podcast is sharing our stories and what God has done and is doing and will continue to do as, as we keep going. And so I'm thankful for you both. I'm thankful for what you mean to this church. I'm thankful for your leadership. You know, the Brunswick small group is incredible. And the reason why it's incredible is because it's led by people who want to be real about their stuff because we don't have time for the fake crap, right? Life is fleeting, like Sam said. So 
We love you guys. Uh, I'm thankful for your friendship. I'm thankful for uh, what you mean to this church, but like more so to my family. And um, Collective wouldn't be Collective without you guys. So thanks for sitting down and sharing your story today. Thanks. Thank you.